I think the concept of 1M65 is a motivational thing. It's meant to motivate. It's meant to push people and say that you can achieve it, not just a woo-woo number that is unachievable. Hello and welcome to Chill with TFC. My name is Andrew and on this show, we look for the geekiest and quirkiest minds to find out what they think about money and life. If you have been consuming financial content like TFC Podcast for some time, then you would have heard of Mr. Lu Cheng Chuan, founder of the 1M65 movement. Now, when I see him, I automatically call him Mr. Lu, like many other people. It's like a, a form of respect to him because he has been sharing in this space for a long time, not just about CPF, but also about investing, about properties and about finances. Do you know that apart from 1M65, there's also 4M65, 1M45 and all these different goals under Mr. Lu's CPF movement. If you like CPF content, this episode is for you. Also, stay tuned all the way to the end for our TFC personal money questions if you want to know what Mr. Lu's best and worst investments are. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And you love to travel too, it seems. Like you do travel and eat. Because the last time we spoke, you came back from Europe. And today you just... Where do you come back from again? Uh, I came out of Europe again. Oh, okay. Uh, and next, next I'm going to travel to Korea. I don't travel for travel sake. Uh, I travel for work sake. So, uh, for business. So, I, I me and my wife uh, runs a, a e-commerce business uh, that deals with fashion. So, we have to travel quite a lot to keep up with the fashions of, uh, of the day. So, we, we spend most of my time overseas. And as a result, I have traveled a lot, yeah. Yeah, because other people might be looking at you, Mr. Lu, and thinking, you know, that's a lifestyle I want. You know, what, what's the meaning of 1N65 if I don't get to relax, retire, and, you know, we say about fire, financial independence, retire early, traveling around the world? When I was at age, I look at my bosses, and they were high in their SIA class, PPS, and things like that. And they travel a lot, you know, and I wish so much that I could be like them. So I worked very, very hard in my life to be like them. And only to find out when I was like, when I become like them, it is really, you know, really something that I realized that I don't really want. Uh, you, become a, you become a frequent flyer simply because you fly like a bird. Uh, when you fly too much, too much of a good thing uh, become a bad thing, anything. So I, the only thing I really wish uh, is just to have a good, steady life, frankly speaking, in Singapore, enjoy my wonderful daily routine. And even though you've achieved way more than the 1M65 goal, right? You're still running your business and you're still actively investing. So what would you, got you interested to share about this concept of 1M65? And I do have to point out that, you know, right at the beginning, when you first started out talking about 1M65, some people might have concepts that, okay, one person must have, I, one person must have $1 million in my CPF. But actually, it is a couple, right, when you started out. Actually, a number is just a number, you know. Mm. Some people, 100,000 is enough. Some people, half a million is enough. Some people, 10 million is not enough. 
you know, for some people, ordinary people, right, with $10 million, wow, it's like uh, more than enough, right? So a number is a number, is respect to who you talk to and things like that. For some people uh, who are struggling with even, you know, meeting basics of life, you know, having 100000 or 200000 their CPF is a hell of money. A lot of people uh, that I talk to, they say, oh, with inflation, with this, with that, you know, $1 million not enough. I'm still your concept lousy and things like that. So I think what why I designed the, the tagline 1M65, I didn't put 1M65 for two. I didn't say 1M65 for one. I think the concept of 1M65 is a motivational thing. It's meant to motivate. It's meant to push people and say that you can achieve it, not just a woo-woo number that is unachievable. Now, I want to lower the bar from the start so that people know that it is achievable. You know, it is achievable. Uh, I started off uh, by saying, okay, let's start with a couple. That's, that's a lot easier. At retirement, each of them have half a million dollars. I think that's more achievable. Then I think that kind of lost the kick because when I started the movement, uh, a lot of people criticize uh, that this is uh, hot air, you know, unachievable whatsoever. Then, of course, then I kind of show that, hey, hey, you know, I don't say 1M, 1M65, you know. Uh, I started 1M45. So me and my wife hit 1M at 45. Now I'm 50, right? Then you won't believe it now. People start competing mm. to reach there. So uh, in my 1M65 Telegram group, I have uh, 28,000 people there. Uh, there's a competition right now. I didn't start it, you know. Uh, there are actually people posting up to Haolian uh, to mm. show off their CPF statement. And there are a hell lot of 1 million right now. I mean, I mean a hell lot means it doesn't mean in the thousands or 10,000. But it's a lot more, a lot now. In fact, they com- start compiling, uh, uh, they call it CPF tree uh, of different people achieving it. Then I got to push a bar to to motivate mm. more people uh, who, who have already done that, right? So... So therefore, I kind of push envelope and just say, no, why don't we push it to uh, 1M by 50 or something like that, right? So I, I hit 1M48. I call it mm. 1M48A. Uh, nowadays, nobody criticized me for having this concept that it's a, it's a couple thing because now we are pushing people towards... Uh, you know, so I've done 1M48 alone. Um, so I'm now 49. In a few weeks' time, I'm 50. So last year, mm-hmm. what, 40, last year, 40, I hit 1M. Then I'm trying to push the bar higher and higher. Uh, then I came on a concept of 4M65. <laughs> and then e- eventually I kind of rest uh, the concept at 10M65. So uh, so whatever number is, is it's, a, it's, a, it's a number between, it's, it's, a, it's a continuum, right? You pick a number you're comfortable with and aspire to move towards that. So originally 1M65 is meant to be a stretch goal, yet something achievable. And you could start off as a couple earning one M65 together. But of course, like I said, a number is a number. So our listeners, they would have come across different variations of these, right? You mentioned one M45, four M65, and even 10 M65. But no matter what number it is, it is up to you to decide what that number is. So I think the, whether is it a one M65 as a couple, one M65 alone, one M45, one M50, four M65, 10 M65. I've got all these different formulas for mm. this all map out already. Basically, pick one that you feel that is a stretch, but it's achievable, okay? Mm. Most of the other financial wealth accumulation strategies that um, I would say that people, you know, financial bloggers or uh, kind of a coach and all this, they thought uh, carry a substantial amount of risk, Okay, mm-hmm. uh, whether is it through property, through Bitcoin, through e-commerce or uh, commercial property or through stock market or, or whatever options and all this. Like, they carry a substantial amount of risk and substantial amount of 
resources than you need or a substantial amount of education that's needed. What I shared really is something very simple that the men in the street okay, don't need a hell of education, can easily understand, and it's a lot more easier to achieve. I didn't say it's easy to achieve. I say it's easier mm-hmm. to achieve, okay? And a, a lot more certainty. So I think the bar really is set by yourself and also the path that you choose, okay, uh, it's a lot easier and more certain. So I think that's where the appeal is. Uh, and that's probably my uh, gain to fame uh, is, you know, I'm essentially an ordinary Singaporean uh, with an extraordinary strategy. And you're talking about the, the risk-free and you're referring to CPF interest rate being relatively stable, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And different people have different financial background and are in different financial situations. So what you're saying is that they just have to pick the number that is a stretch for them, yet is achievable. And like you mentioned, I'm, I'm sure there are criticisms from both sides. Like some saying like 1M is impossible. And some people are like 1M, where got enough? You know, inflation and all that. So what other criticisms have you received back then when you first started this movement? And how has it changed? Like, are people's opinions about 1M65 very different right now compared to last time? I, I think it's absolutely um, memorable to look back in those days. I started a movement about 2015 or so, okay, mm. um, and I coined it 1M65. I was then referred to as Mr. CPF in a negative mm. way. So people people then look at CPF as a, you know, give, give CPF names, uh, and I got dragged onto it, right? So... Because CPF, uh, you know, CPF Jalui, uh, CPF Ponzi scheme, uh, government Jalui, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's like really bad name. So when I started preaching this concept, uh, I got dragged down into it. <laughs> so I also called Mr. CPF. It's like, you know, you know, running down the of the government, you know, running down of CPF. CPF must have paid you a lot of money to do this mm-hmm. and kind of thing. But up to today, I've not collected one cent. Don't say from CPF. I've not collected one cent from anyone now. Uh, uh, for sharing uh, this concept, no organization, okay? Uh, I so, don't think they can pay you. <laughs> I mean, officially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, and unofficially so, also. La. <laughs> so really, this is a non, uh, non-profit non uh, kind of uh, movement in a sense, mm. okay? But uh, in early days, really the the, mis- the distrust and the misconception and the misinformation about the CPF was so high that I think uh, 80 to 90% of the comments were negative. But we persisted. We started a movement. Uh, the great thing about movement is that can one man change the world? Maybe not the world, but can one man change a majority of a perception? Uh, I, I'm surprised that it did. From one person, I started giving a lot of talks. Uh, through now, I think I've done 200 over talks. Okay, from then to now, 200 over talks. I've written many articles on it. Uh, I've given a lot of uh, interviews like this. Uh, and once I do that, let's say in an average talk like this, five or ten percent get get convinced, and out of the five or ten percent get convinced, you know, half of that just go on to become evangelists for this concept. It multiplies, you know, it's 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 really like power compounding. It multiplies in terms of the reach. So the number speaks for itself that ever since we started the movement uh, a few years ago, strangely, every year, now the CPF number, uh, the number of withdrawals uh, uh, is less than the number of top-ups. So the CPF balance, the CPF uh, keep increasing. Uh, Singaporeans have now changed their concept that actually CPF really is a, is a good thing. It's a wealth-creating thing. And people are rushing the to top-up. Nowadays, nobody goes to Hong Lim Park and Khao Pei, you know, return my CPF, return my CPF. I bet you if those people go now, they'll be thrown rocks uh, and stones mm. by, by, by the other people. 
Uh, so it is a it is a now a, a accepted wisdom, mainstream knowledge right now that really a one M six five and above are very achievable. It's life changing and transforming. So I think it has it has been a long journey. We crossed the tipping point. Mm. Now it's a it's a concept that that people kind of accept. So. Times really have changed in a very big way. People's perceptions have, have really shifted and they are, of course, YouTubers, personalities, influencers also talking about, you know, topping up your CPF as a relatively risk, risk-free way to grow your wealth. So let's take the logical aspects of it, right? If you were to take the counter point of view, play devil's advocate to the CPF movement, right? Let's say 1M45, like, you shouldn't do that. Like, why shouldn't you aim to top up your CPF as soon as possible? So the common critics are the common critics are I can get higher return through a stock market and then uh, the government may change a goalpost the government may change a policy or maybe the people can change a government and the root government comes in and spend on CPF and and so on you know? so these are the common uh, thing and the other one is you you use all your CPF where's your housing aspiration you stay in HDB HDB very low class eh? you should aspire to upgrade private property landed property you know stay in low class HDB for you know that kind of uh, thing mm. right so uh, these are the common criticism that I get to them I will just say that there are many roads that lead to Rome and mind you I spend a lot of time in Rome. <laughs> You know, really, there's many roads that lead to Rome. I pick one that is uh, that I think is one of the safest, most uh, confident of reaching. And if you have any other method that you think you can go and reach Rome, go ahead, go ahead. Nothing stopping you. But to the mass appeal to the to the young people uh, in Singapore, uh, I want to educate them of this possibility. To the uncle and aunties who have missed out on this opportunity, I want them to able to look back and said, why didn't I? I want to make sure now my son and my grandchildren knows about this so that they are now well educated, educated of this, this, uh, this concept. And it's for them to then decide. Yeah. So all the other concepts either carry some risks of, of, of all forms, whatever. My, just relatively speaking, less risk, much less risk, okay? More certainty, okay? The only one or two main criticism is that it's not sexy enough, too slow. Mm. Why wow, mm. take 30 years to become a millionaire? I can be a millionaire in three years. That kind of thing. Go ahead. You know, go ahead. I think I embrace and accept some of this criticism. Uh, and I'll just say that, uh, you know, chicken rice is not for everybody. Roti prata is not for everybody. Croissant is not for everybody. So is 165 is not for everybody. But I choose to give you something that is very easy to digest, easy to afford, and then you decide what is the best for you. How about liquidity? The liquidity argument, you know, having the cash in your hand versus CPF, you lock it up. From the start, the 1065 concept was never uh, using your cash. It's always using your ordinary account to transfer the essay. What could you have done with your ordinary account? You can use a buy house, maybe invest in some other investment, which you cannot touch anyway. So it really, it's a one big thing that you potentially forsake is a bigger house, be it be a private condominium or a lender property. It's really up to individual, you know. I stay in the HDB. I, it's very comfortable for me. I don't feel any low class. In fact, around my vicinity now, I drive a simple car. I've seen a few uh, Ferrari and Porsche around my HDB area. So I see that even people, you know, potentially richer or as rich as I am, uh, I think uh, I don't feel any lower standard whatsoever. So some people do. Really not a loss of liquidity at all. Yeah. Now some people say, no, 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 I want to use cash to top it up. 
Now, I've never encouraged that. Altern- There's an option uh, for people to do that. Uh, I don't really encourage it because I think cash has a lot of, of usage. Okay, I've done it before when I was young. Uh, I've only done once or twice. I didn't really top up that much. So really, there's really no loss of liquidity except a loss of an opportunity to upgrade to me to a big mega house, uh, which really is up to the individual whether you, you cherish that or not. Yeah, so one of the concepts is, of course, like you said, moving from OA to SA, people in the finance community will be very familiar with that because they always think about how to grow their wealth, right? So so there are two things. One is, well, well, then you kind of need to be fully employed in a stable job, whereas there's a lot more gig work freelancers nowadays. So what do you think about that? I, I still have to use cash to top out, right, if I'm a freelancer. I, I would just say this for the freelancers, uh, grab drivers, um, taxi drivers, or anybody who don't don't have a salary job, okay? That as far as possible, please top up your CPF as mm-hmm. young as possible. That really, uh, it's a it's basically high interest, basically uh, social security. You, you pay for safety of a retirement. That's why I call a financial safety net. It's very, very important. Now, uh, once you've achieved maybe even your FRS and or your 1065 as a foundation is done, then you can, you know, use your cash for something else. But I strongly encourage everybody not to underestimate the compounding power of, of the CPF. The the fact that it's restricted for use is actually an advantage. It shouldn't be seen as disadvantage. Uh, I've got this concept which I wanted to share with everybody uh, is that uh, I have a relative, uh, very old right now. When the husband was very young, womanizer, you know, spent a lot of money, and the, what the wife was, of course, very disappointed with the, the family. All the money that she earned, you know, the husband would try to kind of take it away and spend it in sinful, uh, sinful ways and things like that. What the wife did in order to protect her wealth mm. is to dump whatever she can to the CPF. And the husband cannot touch. There's no way can touch, right? But she dumped so fast. I mean, she wasn't educated uh, those days. Now, I think she's in her 80s right now. She wasn't educated properly uh, when she was when young, but she didn't realize the compounding power of the act of this. So at retirement in their 60s or 70s, of course, when you reach 60s, 70s, no woman want you anymore. So the, the husband became poor, helpless, full of disease and illnesses, and then all the mistresses are gone and things like that. He's totally broke. Suddenly realized that the wife is so rich and so powerful mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have money, mm-hmm. right? So powerful. The wife have a strong say right now because the compounding power of CPF became so high. So now the husband totally depends on the wife for a living. So sometimes, a lot of times, uh, I've seen stories of this, having access to to the cash is actually a bad thing. You'll be hand itchy to go and touch it and go and throw into some stupid investment whatsoever or spend some way and things like that and lost it all. Uh, so really, um, the, the loss of liquidity is a double-edged sword. You got to... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Whether it's for you or against you. Mm, that actually leads into my next question. Because like you mentioned, the power of compounding is better if you do it from a very young age. 
But what if somebody's in their 30s, 40s, or even 50s, right? And they want to start on their 1M65 journey. They realize the importance of it, but they feel that, okay, is it too late for me right now? Do you have any advice for them? If you're in your 30s and 40s, I think it's still okay. Uh, it's still okay. You may not be able to stretch, hit stretch targets of, of uh, 1M45 or 1M50 you know, or whatever. But I think it's still within reach. Even if you cannot hit 1M, even half a M is still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 750,000 is still a lot of money. It doesn't really matter. So it's better to have more money. So that it's a concept of more, not a concept of I can't hit 1M. But what about those who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s, right? Those, I would say, you know, a bit late because the power of compounding uh, uh, is clearly not in their favor because time is a very important factor. Uh, that's where it comes in that uh, they must educate their, their next generation not, not to have uh, missed the boat again like mm-hmm. them. So uh, our mistakes can benefit the next generation as well. So uh, my father, for example, at 55, so he took out all his CPF, missed the boat totally. Uh, but I will just say that the mistake ends at his generation. The next few generations downwards, they will all not make this mistake again. Because mm, mm, mm. like we keep talking about different people in different financial situations. Like you yourself, you crossed 1 million alone at 49 years old, before 50 years old, right? In your CPF. And of course, apart from your CPF, you do investing and you do so many other things. And I'm really interested in this concept that you talked about, which is the quilapis. Could you explain that? Uh, I, I'm actually very singlish. Uh, in your podcast, I toned down uh, uh, quite a lot of that. Uh, Go for but, it. But... <laughs> we love singlish. Can <laughs> on. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm toning it down. Yesterday, I did an overdose of it in a in an audience <laughs> where there's there's yeah. a lot of angmos and things like that. I was, I was quite, couldn't give a damn about it. But anyway, <laughs> but kueh lapis is very local, a hyper local concept, meaning that everybody knows what the kueh lapis is, right? You know, I love the kueh lapis, uh, but especially by the Bangawan Solo one. But the kueh lapis uh, essentially uh, described that we should have layers and layers of investments, okay? And at the bottom layer, it stands the most important pillar. It's what I call a baujia investment mm. structure, which is our CPF. That's where your sure 1865, win. Uh. yeah, baujia, sure yeah. So mm. that, that layer is very important. You top up an essay, top up an MA and let it compound and leave it there and don't touch it up to 65, 70 years. So just let it keep on compounding. And whatever storm hits, whatever crisis that you might face, unless you die, you know, sub sub say a financial crisis, you know, the 1997, 2001, Asia financial crisis uh, and uh, Great Recession, or whatever hit, that thing still compounds. So that's the first layer. Then the second layer, you know, some, so some, a lot of people say, okay, after that, what do I do? Right? Mm-hmm. I think that may be a question I anticipate from you. Uh, that's where I t- encourage people. Okay, now you really achieve, right? Take a bit more risk. Now, then people say, oh, I want to invest in equities or invest in stocks and so how do I do it? After looking at so many people who have lost so much money, I just tell them the safest way is what Warren Buffett encouraged everybody. Just buy the S&P 500 and leave it there and let it compound. You can dollar cost average, you can buy on a dip, it doesn't matter, whatever, just keep buying and hold it there and let it compound. Now, some people have done that. You say, no, Mr. Lu, no, what, what, what if I want some more, some more, some more? I say, okay, you know, if you've got the got money, got the guts or whatever, you know, go some more. Take on the NASDAQ. A hell lot more fluctuation, but the mm. growth is higher. Right? Then on top of that, then you layer some more. So for, I, then that's where the rest of the business, oh, I want to do a bit of Bitcoin, I'll do a bit of property, I'll do a bit of business, whatever. It's up there. For me, I touch on maybe a bit of algo trading. I don't believe in Bitcoin. You know, I cannot understand it. It's fine. Young people can. I can't uncle me. It's okay. I missed, I missed, uh, I, I missed that and I am happy to miss that. I touch a bit of algo trading. Uh, I do uh, angel investing. I have businesses myself and things like that. So 
That's where it stacks up. Mm. The sequence is important, not just the layers. The sequence is important that you do the bottom layer first before you go on top. Because if your bottom layers are not built and you jump straight to the top, you can be decimated. And this COVID recently this year, when the when the Fed increased interest rate and, and, and crashed the entire stock market, has mm. taught everybody that you can die. <laughs> You can die from mm. stock market, you know. Mm. So therefore, those bottom layers must come and they stabilize your investment mood and emotions so that you have the confidence to, to go for higher one. And and this time around, when the storm come, you know, one or two of my layers were decimated. I live, I live on uh, pretty well. I never have a one minute loss of sleep, never have lost appetite. Uh, still living happily and uh, still traveling as much as I can and things like that. So that's why I say this layer is important. Now, some people say, but look, Mr. Lu, like that very slow. I want to be a millionaire by 28 years old. I want to be a billionaire like Elon Musk uh, by, by 40 years old. No, that kind of thing good for you <laughs> again my financial concepts are shared for the mass majority if you have any aspiration that's higher than that go ahead yeah just go ahead mm. when you lose money then you can come and look, look for me so building okay. up the layers step by step one by one and you mentioned that one or two of your layers are decimated in your words i will say jiba boom right yeah. is it the, the equities oh i i did some uh, leverage investments uh they, uh they they lost quite they lost quite a lot this round you yourself you say like okay you, you might have missed the crypto boat that's fine <laughs> that's fine for you but for others listening in, they might not know algo trading. They might not know your, how to do leverage in, investment. So like everybody got to build their own layers, right? I almost never talk about those higher layers. Mm. I don't share the details or so because they are so risky. I don't want people to say, oh, Mr. Lu also do that. Therefore, I can do that. That's where the, the big chunky layers bottom are very, very important, you know. And I'm sure quite a lot of the men in the streets or, or investors in the streets don't even have those. And the minute they see those returns are very, very high, you know, it can be 20, 30%, you know, a year, but uh, can decimate uh, in, in a crisis as well. You know? They can see returns, they cannot see the volatility, right? So it's just like Bitcoin, you know, Luna, totally jibaboom, right? It's, uh, mm. you know, exploded and died. And is it UST or USDT? Uh, UST died also, right? Just basically shows how ignorant I am with the, with the crypto world right now. But yeah, but it, but it my, goes to zero. It goes it goes to zero, mm. zero. You know, can go, there are stocks that can go to zero, you know? I think there's a lot of stocks that go into zero as well in the Singapore stock market as well. So I would just say that, you know, that's where foundations are important. We got to invest in those foundations just before we touch those on top. Stock picking. Stock picking is, in my definition, on the high layer. You want to do stock picking, make sure your bottom layers are done first. Most of the people will not agree with me and will not listen to me anyway. But it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, when you lose money, then you come and, uh, you come and, uh, you come and cry and look for me. Well, even those who, who believe in Warren Buffett, right, they, they still want to do some level of stock picking to scratch the each or whatever. But of course, it depends on how much percentage of your portfolio are you allocating to that stock picking so that you at least scratch the each, but don't lose it all. But unfortunately, that's not the case in practice. Mm. Uh, I get weekly or even uh, weekly or daily uh, emails telling me how bad they've done through stock picking, why like that. They say that, you know, Warren Buffett uh, also did stop picking value investment taught by Graham and all this kind of thing. So I asked them, are you Warren Buffett? Are you Graham? You know, even I don't do stop picking, you know, I do very little of it. It's, it's something very difficult to do. Bottom line, very, very difficult to do. You don't, it's not just the knowledge, then the emotional strength that you, that you have plus timing, you know, 天时地利人和 freaking luck and all this. 
I think about of 99%, maybe 99.9% of people wouldn't know how to do that well. Uh, I have a good friend. Uh, his uh, name is Sam Ree. He's, he's the chief investment uh, officer of uh, Endowers. He used to be CEO of Morgan Stanley. He do this kind of thing for a living, you know. Mm. Kung Fu must be one of the highest, if not, you know, the highest in the, in, in the league or whatever. Even he uh, agreed that uh, he can't do it. Now, when he was in Morgan Stanley, you know, his his job is that. So he had more time, he has more machines, he had more systems, and that they help him do that. But now, you know, in his busy life, he can't do it. So if people like him also cannot do it, people like me cannot do it, what makes you do? What makes mm. think that you guys can do it? Yeah. So that's why I encourage people: don't try to do stock picking. Stock picking has what I call lethality risk. Can mm. go to zero. Uh, when when you have things like S and P five hundred, Nasdaq, whatever, it's very unlikely to go zero. Zero requires the whole <laughs> whole world to collapse. You require all the five hundred stocks in S and P five hundred to collapse. That's very very unlikely. But lethality risk through stock picking can go to zero. Yes. Mm. So let's dig a bit into that because you mentioned S and P five hundred, and if you want to take it one step up, the Nasdaq, and you actually place that on the layer above the CPF layer, right? Course, so investing in the, the, broad, the broad market. Well, that is on the assumption that, of course, the, the US has, has been doing well, but that's looking at past data. And we know we are in a very weird situation right now. Do you think that's a safe assumption to bet on the US? Or some people are looking at global, right? The, the world index and all that. So how, how do you see this as the second layer above CPF? First of all, the S&P 500 consists of the top 500 companies uh, in the US stock market. But these companies are global, are global companies. You have got uh, Facebook. Uh, I don't think they are, they are, they are US only company. Uh, you have got you know Amazon, uh, McDonald's. Uh, you have got I don't know which other company is that you know. Uh, but but basically a hell of all these companies. I would say that uh, quite a lot of their business is in US, but they're not US centric alone. It's uh, I I don't know. I'll just pick some a number from there. Maybe 60 percent of their business in US. And then the rest of the world, you know, uh, constitute the rest of it. So really, while they are, they seem like U.S. names, uh, it's a U.S. Uh, S&P 500 uh, fixed uh, company from the U.S. stock market, but these are not uh, U.S.-centric uh, or U.S.-only uh, businesses. So it's really a globally diversified index. That's what I'm looking at. You can substitute that with uh, MSCI World Index and uh, whatever. I think it will still uh, perform uh, reasonably similar. So from that uh, perspective, I don't think we need to discuss this topic, whether U.S. will be the leader forever, you know, whether U.S. dollar, you know, this discussion is not relevant to, to the concept of passive investment using the S&P fund or the NASDAQ. But let me just talk a bit of uh, the U.S. Uh, stock market, okay? Um, I think if you have been to U.S., I've stayed in U.S. Uh, for a long period of time, uh, U.S. has this amazing ability to attract the best talent of the world. So if you go to Silicon Valley, uh, look at the startup. Uh, very few of them are Angmors. I mean, US Angmors, you know. Mm. Yeah, there are people from there are people from China, people from Israel, people from Middle East, people from Africa, people from whatever, Russia, all this. They all conglomerate. The best of the best people goes to USA. Uh, simply because USA, through culturally, is really a land for the smart and the able to flourish. I don't think it's anywhere equal to that. So the, the U.S. really uh, has, has some power to attract the, the best of the best. Uh, and just take this, just take this, the current crisis that we are facing right now, mm. who's going to be the best winner? You think about it, right? So this is, this is uh, U.S. and They printed away out the financial crisis and exported the inflation rest of the world. 
Yes. Tama, the, you know, the kind of thing, right? But, yeah. <laughs> so all of us suffered yeah. because they printed their way. And they suffered as well. But all of us got to my tan for them, you know. Got, got, got mm. to, Global got reserve to, currency. Got, yeah. Yeah. But all of us are mm. so, so powerful, you know. I do something bad. All of y'all got to pay, pay mm. for my folly, you know. Then here is Russia and Ukraine fighting, fighting, fighting. You know, Ukraine, of course, uh, suffered quite a bit. But Russia suffered a hell lot, you know, a hell lot. They lost 80,000 troops, uh, either wounded or, or dead. Or dead. Uh, their economy uh, is being hit so badly. Uh, yeah, they call me, they, I, I, was, I'm, I don't know what's the exact number. Maybe this war will set them back 10 years back uh, economically and politically and in chaos. Now even their pro-Kremlin um, um, supporters are now even criticizing Kremlin. So that's, that's so US went down. The entire Europe, the entire Europe, because they are blackmailed by, by Russia, the entire cost of living uh, went up uh, because of the energy crisis, plus, of course, U.S. exported inflation to them, has went down tremendously. Has went down tremendously. Let me tell you how bad it is. Uh, an average household, you don't think the Angmore in Europe uh, earns a lot. Uh, let's say in Italy or in France, I think the average income is 1,005 euro. Uh, mm-hmm. This is very little by Singapore standard. And the, heat, the heating in winter... Uh, easily takes up a thousand euros. So if you pay, you sell you a thousand euros, and the heating takes out a thousand, you're like five hundred dollars, five hundred euros. Mm. It's very little, right? Euro, Euro meaning, meaning France, uh, Germany, UK, you know, all all this, you know, Scandinavian, all gone. Yeah, and China, of course, because of a zero COVID policy, because of drought, because of whatever street reason, it also went down. Can you see who is the ultimate winner out of this entire crisis? It's US. Mm. how smart they are. I'm not talking about how morally right they are, but because of this, they, they are the biggest survivor or the winner of this whole thing. So therefore, to bet against the US is a very, very dangerous thing. It's a very, very dangerous thing. So um, so I, I, I wouldn't take that. Warren Buffett uh, actually said that don't bet against, uh, don't bet against mm. the US. Uh, uh, last 100 years, uh, anyone who bet against US uh, really suffered now. I, I think that, that will go on for another 50, 100 years. I don't know. Okay. But definitely yeah, so not now. Well, whatever talk about the changing world order, Mr. Lu doesn't buy it. The evidence is is clear until you cannot clear right now. Yeah, That mm. the US is going to emerge the winner of this entire thing. Mm, and y'all can debate Mr. Lu on it because he's used to, you know, being... I mean, since your CPF early days, right, people give you names, throw shit at you. So I just want to ask you this question to, to close off. What has been your most controversial view to date? Oh, most a lot. Controversial uh. <laughs> I think, well, I have quite a few controversial, uh, quite a few controversial uh, uh, views. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the... Most controversial one is using. Uh, it, it, you see, what is controversial? What is controversial then is not controversial now. Uh, it depends right? on the time. Yeah, of course, right. So those days, uh, if you if you tell the the world that the world is round, it's very controversial. And those days, you know, come up with a come up with a concept that the CPF uh, can make you millionaire. You know, it's extremely controversial, mm. right? Mm. Uh, so I think the biggest controversy really I ever faced was. Uh, was pushing the use of a CPF as a get-rich tool. Use my word carefully, get-rich tool. Right? Uh, leveraging on CPF as a get-rich tool is very controversial. Now, some, most people will accept that CPF is a, is a safety net. It's get comfortable. Right? 
But to say that you can use a CPF to become rich, rich, you know, of course, rich is a controversial term itself. You know, some people consider 100,000 rich, some people consider half a million rich, one million rich, but, but, but rich, rich, you know, by, by my standard, a few million dollars is rich. I think to use the CPF as a get rich tool, as an alternative to all the other concepts, I think that's very controversial. Okay, it's very controversial. And it's probably still controversial to some extent today. Less controversial, but it's still controversial. So uh, I strongly encourage, uh, you know, this, this debate to continue. I came to realize that the more controversial something is, the more the news spreads. Mm. And because the more the news spreads, uh, the more people will become uh, rich. I have this uh, internal goal, I have this internal goal that I cannot measure easily, is that I hope one million, one million people will become millionaires. Mm. I cannot set a date to it because I, it's very mm. difficult to measure, but I hope that in my lifetime, I will be able to see a, a million people become millionaires. And I, I want to use my this endeavor as an instrument uh, to make that happen. And it makes me happy. All right. Thank you, Mr. Lu. Thank you for your time. Yep. You can all spend yep. time with Chong Chong, your munchkin, and your family. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for this interview. Stay tuned all the way after these quick notes for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials, and check out the financial... Co- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coconut.com And the first one is, what is your best and worst investment? It doesn't have to be a financial one. Mm, that's a great question. And let me, let me surprise you with my best investment. <laughs> this is my best investment. Yeah, it's a it's a munchkin. It's a it's, he came over as a kitten. Um, yeah, it's a munchkin. Uh, very playful, and uh, his name is Chong Chong. So this is uh, the best investment so far. Uh, lightened up my mood. Uh, <laughs> makes me happy. Okay, very playful. Makes you feel like I have a, a new kid. <laughs> yeah. So that's my best investment. All right. Okay. Best investment. You gotta go. Yeah, okay. I heard. I heard Chong Chong. <laughs> my worst investment. I wouldn't use investment. My worst expenditure of my life is probably my. I actually have a motorcycle license, class two B. But the funny thing is that um, it took me a phenomenal effort to get the license, many practices, and six tests because that means I failed five times, and then I passed it eventually. And I've never rode once on the road, <laughs> never. Because uh, after the six, uh, after six time I passed, I was so happy. My girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, insist, <laughs> insisted that you know, if you ever ride on the road, uh, she will, she would turn me into a eunuch. So uh, you know, never had a chance to ride uh, on the road. Yeah. Why do you want to really, learn how to ride? Is it you want to be Andy Lau? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. When you're when you're twenty years old, you know, you're warm blooded. You just want to do cool things like. 20 euro do and things like that but yeah that's a total waste of money yeah. total waste of money uh, and a lot of time wasted totally wasted yeah it's a, a really worse investment the stupid mm. I, I, money is of course valuable but the time 
that was spent uh, cannot be returned. Yeah, money probably can be returned, but time can't return. Okay. My next question will be the reverse of that because I want to ask you uh, a place that you learn from that you think is underrated. It could be a book, a website, a podcast. We're looking for a recommendation from you. Actually, not so much the place, but the condition that I that I learn from uh, is is highly underrated is that I walk a lot every day. Part of my exercise, at my age, I can't run too much. I can't, I can't do strenuous exercise, but I walk a lot. And while walking, I listen to a lot of YouTube videos. Let me tell you how much I walk. Um, I walk roughly about 12 kilometers a day. So I listen in that period, I listen to two over hours of YouTube video a day, getting the latest updates and things like that. So not just you learn a lot from YouTube, but the condition that I learned the YouTube from is that when I, I do it while walking. Yeah, so so it is a, uh, it's very underrated that, you know, the exercise is a, is a waste of time. Or, or as I use a lot of time, uh, I, I have no waste of my time. My time was completely used for education while exercising. So it was, uh, it's very underrated uh, that exercise can be used for financial literacy as well.